We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. And uh, today is a banner day if... A, you like making fun of New York sports teams, and uh, B, specifically, uh, if you like the This Is Fine uh, meme on, on the internet, because nothing a lot, is a lot better. of LOL tweets about This Is Fine, live look at the Jets front office. Yeah, nothing in the NFL has ever been this fine. It's never been as okay as it is right now for the Jets, for anybody. No no dog's smile has been as large while the rest of the room was this on fire than, than this right now. The thing that's so weird about what's going on with the Jets is I at least can't tell who's running this at all. Like, usually with these kinds of mass you know whatever firings and general restructuring of teams you can kind of see like oh it's the owner and i guess that's who it must be in this case because it's like well it's not the gm making these calls certainly and it's 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 all decentralized too it's it's like that the the head is cut off of of whatever stupid uh animal or monster we would compare the jets to and it's now true. it's and now it's like there's just all these nerves firing and it's just it's just a like one big spasm one big seizure and it's, it's like adam on the side of the road adam gase is loosely at the helm of it all but it's at this point it's like what can we take for granted with where this team is heading so it's, it's like mccagnon or whatever his name is is gone so he's been officially fired as of today yeah and there's the the 
interim GM is Gaze, but I guess that's going to be basically temporary because there's this one guy with the the Eagles, I think it is, that they're linked to. Weren't For, they also were they also linked to Daniel Jeremiah, or is that the Eagles oh, being linked to Daniel Jeremiah? Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they don't know. Maybe that's both are a possibility. I don't know. It's it, I just how much can we really even know that they have planned here? Like, did they make this decision this morning? Uh, I know it's been rumbling, and like some people have uh, in the Jets, like Northeast media, been on this a little bit for a couple of weeks. But it, I mean, it's, like, what what would have precipitated it? Like, I don't think that McCagnan necessarily has done like the worst job in the world. Uh, I guess. Well, I mean, that Mosley and Bell contract; those are pretty bad. Those I are think. both overpaid, pretty large, yeah, in a pretty big way. Yeah, yeah. The only way they could have spent that money more inefficiently was for like a two like i don't know like a, a two down defensive tackle who just plays over the center and and gives you like 400 snaps a year we need sam adams baby yeah if they had taken like dexter lawrence or something like that's that's like the if they had paid him though like 12 million a year on a six-year contract that would have been worse but that's kind of uh, all that they could have done differently i don't know why you'd have to think there's some kind of just like political personal tension involved here because like all these guys are morons they don't actually have any like philosophical basis for disagreeing with each other that much it's not a big deal whatever their differences in opinion are and yet um yeah just it it feels weird the timing is certainly weird you would have you would think you would have done this a couple months before this like before that mosley the season yeah before the mosley contract before the bell contract before uh, before you know the gm could have spent more short-term resources in an ineffective way to try to cover himself uh like he was he's taking out mortgages to try to pay off short-term debts and it's like well you took out the mortgage and now the guy's just gone anyway so it's that if the team had acted in its interest before it would have prevented him from making those moves like leveraging their future interests against his or against like the short-term outcomes that he wants so it's all just very stupid, and I don't know. It's one of those things where I have to wonder, like, how much was, are the people in charge even paying attention? Is this is this like when I go to my mailbox and I'm like, all oh, right, oh, god damn it, and like I have to like quickly do a couple of these things, and I'm I'm just on with my day again. Is is this is that what this is the equivalent of to someone who owns an NFL team and otherwise is probably worried about racketeering and real estate fraud and all the other things they do? I don't know, but it's it's weird, and I can't tell where the interests lie and like where who has actual power right now and can we please get a live cam of adam gase right this second because i have to feel like he's he doesn't even really want this that much like i don't know if he even wants to be a coach i don't know if he wants to be alive like (laughs) he's he's the guy who's like with the with the dolphins a year or two ago or whatever he's just at the press conference after the game or something and he's just straight up saying like i kind of don't like my job and, I wouldn't like that job either, to be fair. And now it's like, hey, Adam, great news. Uh, you're in charge of the Jets. Like, you have to clean up the Jets. How does that sound? And Pretty good, huh? Yeah, so he's, I, like, I'm assuming his eyes are just, like, bulging out of his skull right now. And he's he's just kind of in a room by himself, just, just staring at the wall and grinding his teeth and yeah. getting, yeah, so... Uh, whatever. I, I don't know where this is going. I guess with, with the announcement of a GM eventually, if they name one, I think it'd be hilarious if they just had Gase as like the unwilling GM for like the indefinite future. <laughs> you uh, got this, bud. Yeah. So 
very strange situation there. And I don't know about, I don't know how uh, reliable the reports are, but there was that uh, thing about apparently Gase did disagree with McKagan about. No, that, that's like, I think that's a feather in his cap that, that he would, that there's tension at least to, to begin with, you know, obviously he'd, he'd only be a few weeks into this job where, you know, free agency is getting ready to start and they pay CJ Mosley 17 million where Gase was apparently saying yeah. like, I wouldn't go over 13 for this guy that doesn't really make splash plays. And obviously is an, is a middle linebacker. that's just yeah, not right. a premium position anymore. So he is correct in that facet. Uh, I think the jets kind of just wanted to spend money. It was very jetsy and of them. So I think them signing Le'Veon Bell, I think that was that's been like written in the stars ever since. Classic it was clear. dumb team thing to do. Sure, it was, and it, but it was clear for a while that like it was it was like a you know uh, that that scene in The Simpsons where that where the male Simpsons are all uh, fighting each other with with pots and pans on their heads, just like running into each other, while like Lisa and the rest of the female Simpsons just look on in astonishment. It was, it was two basically just pitting of two dumb idiots. AKA the Raiders and the Jets as to who's yeah. gonna win the Levion Bell that Le'Veon, overpay this week's takes. <laughs> yeah, a thirty ish year old former all pro running back free agent. That's for teams like the Jets and the Raiders, that's a total it's moth kidding. to moth to flame scenario. Oh, yeah. Like they're just they they need to do it. They they you tell them like this won't work and they're like, Yeah, I know, it's gonna be great. Look at all this data that I have that says it's not gonna work. Yeah, they're just they're like, That's my why we like Where's it. Where's my extra checkbook? Like, no, you don't understand. That's why we wanna do it. We like to do bad things. We like to zig when other teams zag. Yeah, so uh that you just knew that that was one of those like everyone knew, like, oh the Jets are gonna sign him big time. Yep. <laughs> and it totally <laughs> happened. So yeah, with with Gase and and his sort of dissatisfaction with the amount to which that they paid uh, those two free agents specifically, and then I don't really know the exact specifics of what happened with the Anthony Barr thing, but looking at their yeah. looking at their death chart now, that was a dodged bullet, by the way. Like that yeah. guy, yeah. There, I mean, I guess it's not that much. There's some funny money in it. It might be kind of like a two year. 28 or million or something like that if i remember right but um bar's a guy who's done like s- exactly 70 tackles and two and a half sacks a year for the past four years it is they would have been Has using been miscast in, in Minnesota yeah. a little bit i've i always felt like coming out at least i haven't i can't say that i watch a ton of him specifically when i watch the vikings but felt like he would be a guy that works better off the edge and being a middle linebacker yeah definitely and he's playing outside with the vikings it's just puzzling like how does he avoid the ball that well like how do you play every snap and end up with 70 tackles like corners get more tackles than that i think that's a ucla thing sorry to our ucla um, listenership but yeah to be fair Barr would have been much better in a three four and Maybe it wasn't quite a dodged bullet, but a team that has that Mosley and Bell contract doesn't need to be speculating on a player like Barr. Like it's just very easy to imagine a dysfunctional team getting nothing out of Barr, and uh, they're not functional. Well, you know, Gaze had all these disagreements, and now like he he is kind of at least for the time being, whether it is in the GM or just as being the coach straight up, he's got to. These are the ingredients he has to cook with now. Yeah, so uh, it's. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the near future, and uh, I don't think any of it ends up happy for the Jets. Like I don't, I don't think there's a graceful landing that's about to be stuck after all this uh, insane, just you know, chaos. Okay, so let's let's tie up the chaos then, and let's just we're just going to talk about the Jets today, folks. So we're going. This is a Jets podcast. This is a Jets podcast now, like full on, but. 
mostly just for this week. But we're going to get into just a little bit of a preview on what we kind of expect to happen here now that now that you know the offseason movement is settled, the draft is done, uh, and again we, we touched on the free agency stuff. So I guess I want to begin with your expectation expectations of Le'Veon Bell specifically because obviously this is an Adam Gase offense coming in uh, that where Kenyon Drake was second on the team in targets <laughs> last year down in Miami at 73 targets apparently Adam Gase has kind of been on the record saying like he's not going to run Le'Veon Bell into the ground one way or the other you know overwork him with with too many touches um, they signed a guy in Ty Montgomery that can I guess absorb some of the receiving work to to an extent but at the same time you're paying Le'Veon Bell so much money, you got to use him. So, like, there's just sort of two conflicting ideas of what's going to happen here. I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, I think I would take the under for the yards per carry that we would project Bell for this year because he was a guy who, uh, you know, he would he was at four yards a carry in 2017 with Pittsburgh. That was two years ago. You could say the time off might be away from to whatever be fresh or something. I don't but think that's a good thing necessarily. I yeah, I mean it's it's just not something that I'm willing to you know put any currency on. I it, it may be true, but I just don't see any reason to engage that. So I think the Jets are going to be doing a lot of losing. I think Dowell Loggins and Adam Gase are more committed to low tempo than any coaches in the NFL. Like they reliably just sit on the ball and wait for the clock to run out just as a matter of policy. I guess that could like, maybe they would have been a little more up tempo if the Miami offense was better, but it's almost like a tautology thing where it's like, you're putting yourself at a schematic disadvantage by running at this low tempo and allowing the defense to like get all of its personnel tidy before every snap. If you go up tempo, that's a way of kind of, uh, amplifying whatever you have and I think it, particularly with a guy like Darnold who I, I still have some stubborn hope for him even though I feel like this team is cursed as long as it's Gase and Loggins running it I feel like with him you know he's he's a, he's a clear asset in my opinion and I feel like they should uh, you know try to go a little bit more up tempo with him but I think what's more likely is it's just kind of a cloud of dust offense where Darnold has a lot of second half not heroics necessarily because they probably aren't going to win still but we're talking like 2015 blake bortles or something yeah but like a way better prospect sure but like those numbers like pay like blake bortles for purposes was like dope for that reason because he (laughs) just like let it rip in the second half yeah i see nothing wrong with darnold as a particularly like a best ball third quarterback pick because he goes very late it's it's i think he's probably one of like the three starting quarterbacks who go last along with like stafford and mariota stuff like that but i think darnold's really really talented and i think they have some receiver talent there i mean jameson crowder just a slot guy but it was only a couple of years ago that he was doing like uh what was it like eight and a half yards a target at 70 plus yard catch rate with washington yeah he did he did about eight per target last year too yeah he's had lots of injury issues but sure. back at duke too he was really super productive so he's he's a helpful presence quincy Anunua, i think is good but he, he's been beat up a lot he's gonna have to move outside to make room for crowder in the slot so i have no interest in a noon one fantasy yeah i was gonna i was gonna say that like last year of of his snaps like 322 were out of the slot which yeah. seems kind of odd for a guy that's 6'2 225 and then 191 of them were, were on the outside so i i wish i could see like the efficiency numbers it within that split how he did outside how, how he did 
uh, in this slot. But yeah, he's going to, he's going to have to move outside now. Uh, I do like this for Crowder, obviously. I don't like their receiver depth overall. Like I love the top three, like probably more than most people. I'm like a huge, we'll, we'll get it to like a Robbie Anderson segment here in a second. But once you get past that, it's really, really desolate. Yeah. I have quite a bit of hope actually for Deontay Burnett as at least, you know, a wide receiver four type, but I think he could be, I mean, if Crowder doesn't work out, if Crowder has more injury issues, I think Burnett could be maybe the long-term slot guy there. Uh, Dorch, I'm not quite ready to give up on, but all likelihood, he's more likely to be a practice squad guy than a guy who plays even like 150 snaps this year. But Burnett, I mean, you have the USC connection going with Darnold there. He had pretty good numbers at USC, and his his athletic testing was not great. He's really skinny, but his numbers last year were totally decent on a really small sample size. And Burnett's really young; like he isn't. He's not turning 22 until like october right so that would be weird if someone showed the kind of skill that he has to this point the kind of production that he has at that age and turned out to be totally useless but yeah i think he's he's a pretty nice wide receiver four who can probably contribute for any of the roles of the three guys ahead of him like burnett can probably do a little bit downfield not like anderson anderson's you know pretty unique for how good he is at those downfield targets but if a goes down or even if Crowder goes down, I think Burnett could step up pretty good. But yeah, it's not to say that I think it'll be a good passing game. I think it'll be uneven at best. Like I think there could be some pretty ugly cold stretches. And at sometimes Darnold's talent will just kind of overrule the otherwise bad conditions. But again, Loggins and Gase are anti-tempo. They try to run like 56 plays a game and that adds up like the it's it also makes them more uh vulnerable to just kind of cold stretches because if you run fewer plays it's more opportunities to just kind of have uh, you know a whole quarter just go out the window because you had one three and out and the defense never or the other team never gave it back so that's the kind of things that compound the already not problematic personnel but unimpressive personnel and uh yeah i don't know what to make of that backfield exactly i like elijah elijah mcguire a little bit don't really understand the montgomery signing and i I like montgomery a fair amount but that's weird because part of the whole premise of why Lavian bell is a uniquely valuable running back is because of what he does as a pass catcher and signing montgomery almost makes it look like you're saying we're just going to limit Lavian bell to carries or like we're gonna if you're if you're trying to lower or or uh, cap Lavian Bell's workload, it should be in a carry count. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be targets, and it looks like they're sooner gonna chop the targets than the carries. Okay, yeah, now that that makes sense, and that's that doesn't make sense. Like it makes yeah. sense what you're saying, but from a Jets schematic point, that doesn't. make And sense. if that is what they do, then Lavian Bell is totally a landmine at that ten to twelve overall kind of range in the ADP right now because. If he gives you 280 carries or whatever, that could easily be, uh, I don't know, like just, just like barely over a thousand yards. I don't expect this offense to score that many touchdowns. So if from scrimmage, I would put the over under for touchdowns for Bell at like seven and a half okay. or something. So if that target count is dropping, if he if he only gives you like 38 catches, that's a disaster season. Yeah, big time. So yeah, if he, if he's not the 60-70 catch guy anymore, then 
I'm too afraid of the rushing average and even the per target averages being just you know hazard hazardously low. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably targeting receiver or even a tight end like Travis Kelsey in that range of an ADP before I would uh, Le'Veon Bell, especially while this stuff sorts out. Like, it, it, I don't think this is done developing. What's going on with the Jets? And I don't know what to take for granted right now. Well, I, I want to kind of like circle back to the Miami stuff to and just see how much of it is going to apply one to one to the Jets because I I really do feel pretty strongly that the Dolphins had like one of the worst rosters just in the NFL last yeah. year and I just felt like yeah like he was able to scrape by scrape you know and it didn't work out great for Miami in the sense that you know that they stunk but they like didn't really get a super high pick out of it obviously they, they worked things out with it with the Rosen trade and, and all of that but how much of the of it is like a chicken and the egg thing where it's like they ran the slow tempo offense and and they didn't get good offensive production just because of they had nothing to really work with down there well gaze seemed to like for whatever flaws they had on that team with that personnel it seemed like gaze kind of just like leaned into all the punches with it it was okay. like it almost was it seemed like some sort of uh what is it like um forget the word and i don't want to say the wrong one but it's like that thing where he basically has like a suffering fetish it was oh, like there's like a, he's like a sadist yeah one of those things i was afraid i would say some other like wrong genre of effed up perverted thing and people would be like hey how'd you know that word like oh, i don't know I, you know not what do you look i didn't say it i'll just um, i'll google sadism on the work computer here yeah he likes to do sadism on himself whatever those are whatever those people are glutton and for punishment yeah glutton for punishment certainly it seemed like he kind of like reveled in the suffering at a certain point and like reveled in the alienation with his players too like it wasn't just Devonte parker although i do think the way they he engaged Devonte parker was weird it was Kenyon Drake. That was there's just no good reason to handle him the way that he did last year. And uh Rashad Jones too doesn't get much attention, but there was something weird with him and Gase going on. It seemed like he was out to just kind of like alienate the team. And uh, I don't know how much any of this stuff any of this stupid drama mattered with the on field results, but I don't think it helped and I don't think Gase was particularly interested in answering the question of what would help. It was like he just decided these are my policies i'm going to run things this way and if it doesn't work then to hell with all of you i'll i'll take you down with me and i i don't know you know it's i don't want to do too much like psychoanalysis from like this highly speculative uh vantage point but seeing that big bulgy eyeball stuff at the press conference <laughs> after all this didn't really ease my suspicions any. It was just like he was totally off my radar like just in general i was he like, didn't okay, used to do that he's he, like a total retread coaching hire like I, I just it didn't raise my blood pressure one way or the other that he got hired by the jets and then i saw that and i was like whoa yeah and i don't think he used to do that it's like something snapped within him and this like now he's this guy who looks like that from now on <laughs> and uh oh real quickly you know what he looks like exactly looks like mm -hmm. uh do you remember mr god from the south park episode cartman's incredible gift or whatever where he, he becomes a fake psychic oh, and the guy man. goes red dragon on him yeah. <laughs> that's what adam gase looks like oh my God. 
Yes. It's like if, if if South Park has does the Dan Campbell thing again where they have an episode about Adam Gase, like they'll just recycle the Mr. God, Red Dragon guy uh, animation. And that's the one where, where he's also like thinking about the, the food all the time too. It's yeah, that's what his psychic visions are is like sprinkles and oh, stuff. ice cream and fried chicken. Yeah, so and... I'm just saying Adam Gase is the guy with the hands on his wall. Yep. Uh, <laughs> cut cuts out the eyes on uh pictures of ladies in magazines and oh stuff. Oh my god. Um but no anyway. Now, now that's permanently with me whenever I think Look, of Adam Gase. That's, he looks exactly like it. It's just true. Uh but anyway, uh I don't think he's quite that crazy to be serious. I think he's I think he's more like just kind of um just kind of an ornery guy who keeps ending up with these very visible high pressure jobs and it it's just maybe doesn't suit him that well i don't know mayhaps um so again looking back at this miami offense from last year like the top two target getters were drake and danny amendola <laughs> is that bad <laughs> it, it was i mean it, yes so that that does again sort of lead me to the to the chicken or the egg question like the the ingredients are so much different for the Jets, they have like such a good downfield threat in Robbie Anderson, and, and uh, I just don't see how they can go go they, into the season not having him like really, really heavily. Involved. They have a lot more to work with just because of Darnold and Anderson, I think. And I like Kenyon Drake enough at this point, so I'm not like, yeah, I'm not blaming him for any of that stuff. Certainly, but uh, Darnold, I mean, I think we agree. Like, we we consider him pretty uniquely good as yeah, a prospect definitely. so yeah i i can't tell if how much higher my expectations of him are than the average person but that has a lot to do with uh you know w- whatever faith i might have with the jets it's just that darnold might be good enough to transcend kind of like you know rogers briefly did with mccarthy and all that crap mm-hmm. so um yeah anderson darnold anunwa crowder burnett i like a lot and chris herndon i forgot to mention i mean I'm not sure how high I am on him for fantasy because there's only so much room for like Herndon to do anything and for Bell to do anything as a pass catcher. Like there wasn't, um, I know Elijah McGuire did a little bit last year as a pass catcher, but like there wasn't a Lavian Bell receiving threat from the backfield last year. And Herndon was very good, really efficient. And, I didn't see him coming at all as a prospect, but the numbers he put up last year are pretty convincing, I think. But the volume is capped. Like he's in an upside scenario, probably like a 600, 700 yard guy. And like last year kind of was an upside scenario for him already. He was doing nine yards a target uh, with, with catch rates that he'll be hard pressed to sustain for a long term. So he's a really promising real life player. And in dynasty, I think, there's some upside to just, you know, getting Sam Darnold's tight end, but I think Lavian Bell needs to be gone before Herndon can really become the player people might be expecting by now with how good he was last year. And contractually, will there is there gonna be an overlap where that happens? What's that? Like where by the time that Bell is oh. gone, Herndon is still under rookie contract. It's hard to say because I'm just imagining the Bell contract resulting in a termination. Like whatever Whatever the theoretical arrangement is, I'm not banking on occurring because it's just a, it's a bad contract on a team that's probably going to lose a bunch. So and once they run out of the guaranteed money, he's gone. Yeah, teams like and even before then, it's like it's going to be a dead money situation. It's just you know teams that are bad tend to end up in rebuilding scenarios, and if they're wagering huge amounts of money on questionable veterans of of uh, you know limited utility. 
I figure that just accelerates that process probably. Okay, fair enough. Um, I do want to get into your Robbie Anderson expectations overall because, you know, looking at, at the stats, I mean, you, you were on him from his time at, at Temple, and uh, I think last year probably surprised you the least out of, like, almost anybody almost. But, you know, for him to go out, uh, he ranked ninth in total air yards. We have all this all this great new data on the website. But ninth in total air yards, despite missing two games, everyone else ahead of, of him on that list is, like, kind of elite uh, top tier guys and he played in two less games than all the all of those guys and he was also third in the average depth of targets so yeah i mean it, it's clear that i mean i would imagine that the jets can't screw this one up enough to where they're using him on like short routes and stuff i mean they gotta yeah, still yeah. send him down the field and darnold obviously knows that he can trust him yeah so anderson and darnold like if, if we're just isolating those two things it's like I'd, i would buy them uh just in general, I, I think they're both really good. And Anderson is a guy who was good at Temple too. It was just that he had some weird character origin. Like he, if you end up as at Temple as like a, I don't know if he was JUCO or it was something weird like that. But it's like he only played there two years and he was suspended. Was JUCO then, yeah, he was he was suspended or kicked off the team actually because of uh, academics one year, and then he came back and then. Uh, wasn't quite as dominant as he was earlier but like as a sophomore i remember he had a bunch of he caught a bunch of touchdowns from pj walker whoever it was that they had at quarterback at the time and then he ran like a four three five or whatever at the temple pro day and it was like okay so he's been really productive whenever he played he's six three something whatever runs a four three five that should work right and he went undrafted or wait did he go in like the seventh round no he went undrafted i guess um so yeah i'm betting that was mostly character related and so as long as the character doesn't become an issue i see no reason to doubt him over like pedigree or something because it's basically like if he had a normal life he wouldn't have been at temple he probably would have been at like lsu or something like that and would have been like a second round pick properly underused at at lsu yeah he was all good he would have been he would have been malachi or uh no uh what's uh dj chark uh so yes that's uh in any case darnold good anderson good uh you, I don't are know. You accumulating shares of him though. You've you've played it. You've he, done enough drafts to this point where you know you you do you tweeted out your portfolio recently of guys that you have multiple shares of. I don't actually because uh, not of not of Anderson because he's just not that cheap so far. Like he goes um, about seventieth overall. So that's on Best Ball tens. I'm looking. This is from February. So there's some fluctuations in here. But that's between Sammy Watkins and Will Fuller. And particularly after that Tyreek thing came out, it's like I'm taking Watkins over Anderson in best ball probably like eight times out of ten. And that's different in redraft because I'm not banking on more than like 12 games from Sammy Watkins. But in best ball, it's not my problem, really. It's, nope. So uh, that's different. I, I don't know how I'd play that in redraft. I will say I think I would take Anderson over Will Fuller. I like Fuller a lot. I think he's really good. I think he's better than Robbie Anderson, but the injury history is concerning and Kiki Kuti seems pretty good. There could be enough room for all three of those Houston receivers to go nuts, kind of like, you know, the Rams or whatever. But uh Watson was throwing to Kuti a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Like he had like a fifteen target game or something, like you know, fresh off the uh the whatever injured list or whatever is hamstring situation like permanently just hurt but playing through it last year I felt. yeah well yeah that's definitely what happened and he wasn't really a guy who had issues like that at texas tech so i think Kuti is good 
And that's enough to scare me away from uh, Fuller at that particular price because I don't think Anderson can be challenged by anybody on that Jets offense. Like he might fail or disappoint or whatever, but it would probably be largely due to Darnold being bad in that case. And I'm just not that worried about that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to try to end up with as many shares of, of Anderson as I can. But I think, you know, there, there's a difference between saying that on a podcast and actually doing it. And also, like when you when you mentioned the, the, the context of ADP and who else is going in that neighborhood, like I, I definitely understand the, the Sammy Watkins thing. And I think framing it with with him and Fuller, I think it was a really good way of going about that. But at, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I probably will end up with with. Uh, in that in that spot depending on how my team looks i'm going to probably just try to make myself the anderson guy yeah one thing about anderson i don't know how much he can do in terms of like versatility like he pretty much has his one trick and it's he's very good at it and and when it hits it's you know 40 yard gains long touchdown catches things like that so uh I feel like his target volume might be somewhat capped. Like, I don't think he's a guy who can go for 160 targets. Like, I think it'll be more like he gets... Did you say something similar about Wolf Fuller, though? Uh, I, I would like be... I think he can do more. The image of Fuller is always way downfield. But he, he does a lot, or he can do a lot after the catch, too. Like, he's he was a really good punt returner, and uh, he can take a slant or, like, a screen and do a lot with it. It's I think he's more versatile than Anderson. Okay. But I think Anderson is a guy who, I don't know, it's like you would expect the targets to go up with kind of, like, the pace of the game, the scoring context. Like, if the, if the over-under is higher, you think Anderson's target volume probably goes up because it's more likely the Jets are going to be trailing or otherwise, uh, you know, feeling aggressive because of the circumstances and um those those are the scenarios where it's easy to see him going uh i think he might be a i mean this is not particularly bold of a prediction but he might be a little hit or miss hot and cold just because he is so dependent on downfield targets and those are the highest difficulty ones like he was only credited with one drop last year and yet his catch rate was still only 53.8 percent because it's just very difficult targets that he gets so uh that you know that's that's definitely a double-edged sword thing where it's like when when that you know catch rate is is uh, regressing on you it's brutal but when it's you know the BABIP is higher it's like well that's five catches that are all 35 yards downfield and so uh it's it's hit or miss but uh yeah he's as much as I said I would take Anderson over Fuller or I'd more likely do it in redraft it's like Anderson is probably easiest to use in best ball still just because you know if darnold throws for 180 yards on like 30 targets and 10 of them go to crowder it's like what 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 are the odds that anderson does even like 25 yards in that case oh geez well that would be that but would it's be i mean that's this is not like inappropriate for his price range though it's like we're, we're talking about 70th overall and the alternative is already down to like will fuller and dante pettis so it's not like you're if you're taking anderson it's not because you're passing on some obvious stud or something like that yeah exactly exactly um do you have anything else you wanted to hit on from this offense before we just kind of wrap things up talk about idp for a second talk about their draft and then uh wrap things up uh, not really. I guess I'll like I'll keep an eye on Deontay Burnett as maybe a fab pickup if Crowder gets hurt and Anunwa gets hurt. Both of those guys have had their durability troubles in the past because uh, I think Burnett seems like he could be a pretty good slot or intermediate guy while Anderson, of course, is working more so downfield. 
but I don't think I'm going to really end up with many Jets shares. Like I'm open to Darnold as a quarterback three in best ball. And after talking this through, I need, I'm kind of like more, I'm more aware of my lack of Anders Robbie Anderson shares. So I'm going to, that was, that was the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to reassess that, but it's like Chris Herndon, good as he looks, I'm not anxious about getting Chris Herndon shares. And, uh, I, I feel like I want to let Lavian Bell be mostly other people's problem. Like I liked, I would, I would gladly just take Odell Beckham at that spot and say like, thanks for the all pro receiver. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like Bell is going to be someone that I'm kind of actively avoiding as well. He could have like, he could have a f- especially a few big games and a, a good season in PPR just because of the usage, but it's, you know, yeah, I'm getting more, getting more anxious about that Ty Montgomery thing the more I think about it it's like why would they sign him unless they're about to do the absolute stupidest thing which is like <laughs> make Lavian Bell a running specialist which is a bit in line with like the the track we've been laying throughout this podcast really. yeah it's it's to, to expect that outcome is to specifically ex- to expect the, the things that have already happened to persist and it's like, well I guess that seems more likely than the alternative and yeah, I'm I'm just I'm probably going to let other people pick Bell for the most part, but we'll see if he if he gets if the bad press with all this stuff like pushes him into the late second, then that's a lot different than the late first. For sure, for sure. So, keep an eye out for that. Um as far as their draft went, they didn't really get anyone that's going to be fantasy relevant uh for this year. I mean, the the one skill guy they got, uh Trevon Wesco, a, a tight end that's going to be backing <laughs> up Chris Herndon, I think. And Jordan Leggett. Yeah, so he's third you know the third best tight end on that team so that's obviously nothing to really get excited about um as far as the their first or their earlier round uh selections quinn williams obviously a stud but you just kind of wonder that he's gonna be a really disruptive force but like for idp purposes probably not that big of a deal chachai polite is kind of interesting to me because he had he is a guy that was projected to be a first round talent i think at the end of the college football and season then he just and did. then he just completely tanked himself with with the bad combine with the weird interviews at the combine and then like a, a pro day where he somehow got worse but the film like you know I, I think for the spot that the jets got him at like he's a kind of fast uh you know he's a pure speed rush type of guy but they don't really have a whole lot else of that so right. I think he could be a decent source of like sacks potentially yeah what was the weird interview like do you remember what he said there was just reports and you know always take these things with a grain of salt but you know like this was the worst interview i've ever or like the worst a i've ever seen a prospect do their interview see i really wish they were more specific because when i hear those people say something like that i'm like that must be an awesome interview (laughs) that must be the best interview and i just want to hear it now (laughs) right because like i can imagine those guys getting all pissed off about him just kind of like i don't know looking at his phone or something like that or if or if he uh if he if he just responds solely in kind of like millennial slang i can just i can imagine them just being like we don't know how to speak to him just filming at the we tried to ask him a question we he said something we don't know what he's saying we're worried he doesn't know english uh but that's that's how i would imagine them taking it and of course uh i i'm going to sympathize with the player who who uh 
draws um you know the ire of of people who i think are pretty categorically kind of ridiculous um but yeah i'm I'm, i guess i should just look that up i remember at the time thinking like oh that sounds pretty cool but then because he's a defensive player i just kind of ignored it after that um but yeah sacks um it's gonna be hard for him to make an idp impact specifically just because if he's playing linebacker then that's a harder field to have standout production that if he was classified as a defensive end that'd be different but if you know 40 tackles and seven sacks that plays at defensive end standards in idp but not at linebacker right um so yeah he's he's interesting um it'll be interesting to see if he kind of does like a perfect sort of thing not in that he'd be like a horrible psychopath but just kind of the guy who was really dominant in college and then worked out so bad it made no sense (laughs) yeah and then ended up being kind of good anyway for a little while at least um but quinn and williams i think could be kind of like a defensive i don't know like a top 25 top 30 defensive lineman just because he seems really good and um him and leonard williams and henry anderson that's sick that's a pretty yeah that's pretty sick three uh man rotation in the front uh the front three so they have some things going for them and you know for as much as they overpaid him mosley still a pretty good linebacker should put up like 130 140 tackles this year um so he's totally in play for idp stuff and in a in a mainstream sort of way trying to remember oh uh, of course jamal adams had the huge year last year with like 120 tackles i think he drops to like 95 or 100 this year but still a standout uh idp defensive back and then tremaine johnson i guess is worth keeping an eye on if you have like interception heavy leagues because I, I guess he made the this that'll be a good one to watch him and gase because J- johnson i guess alienated the previous coaching staff and gase just loves getting mad at players so oh, they okay. they should hit it off real quick oh, that'd but be great but yeah if he's on the field if, if gays lets him play uh he, he's pretty good at intercepting passes but uh otherwise i mean you, you said the 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 prop or what is it called? uh this okay so the, yes the uh the over under uh for the jets for this year is seven and a half uh, yeah that's that's there's no way that's still alive right like it's got to be down to like six and a half or something i thought i saw it on may 1st is is from the article I okay from you would expect it to drop after today right <laughs> yeah i guess everyone's because be i would take under. i'm like can i still do that <laughs> um yeah I, I think they i think it's more likely they win five games than eight dang what i mean they're the jets and yeah it's uh i mean the patriots are going to run the division because we live in hell and that's just how it works but i think the bills are going to be a pretty tough team and i I still i am not conceding really a whole lot about josh allen i mean his his rookie year was vince young numbers it's it's better than i expected it to be and there's there's certain positives that he has to work with that are that are pretty intriguing but it could also go very wrong but still uh that defense should be pretty sick in buffalo and uh you know it's uh it's 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 not a a tough division exactly but those two teams i think can sweep the the jets one thing I will point out too, though, is I guess their out of division schedule is very easy. I okay. mean, this is always a flimsy sort of way to look at strength of schedule, so that there are definitely better ways. But right now, uh, they are tied for the second easiest schedule for for next season based on uh, the opponents' records from last year. So, again, do you see any of those teams right now, or is it not a? Oh, 
what do you mean? Some of the schedule, the, the out of division ones. Uh, no, no. I don't. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like I guess I'm trying to think of how many bad teams I would need to see on one schedule before I would start worrying about the Jets hitting 500. And I don't think there are that many bad teams. Or, or, so I, I think I, yeah, I'm taking the under on seven and a half certainly, and I I like their chances at four or five. I mean, this could be a very dysfunctional team. This could be a deeply bitter group of people by the time week six comes around and uh who knows what could happen i mean if if you can fire the gm a month or what how long has been like three weeks after the draft after giving out all those free agency dollars and everything else that they've been up to it's like you can do anything you can you can fire adam gase (laughs) mid-game uh the sunday morning before the game you can uh, just announce like you're, you're you've installed the triumvirate coaching staff and it's like get condoleezza wh- rice back in the news yeah get her get like um bill polian's the coach now something i don't know something <laughs> like that could happen and it's like yeah that's fair sure they t- they kind of gave us fair warning on that the aristocrats <laughs> yeah um so yeah it could get it could get just avant guard i think might be the the way you would describe it uh it's gonna be nuts i think and um i hope it goes well for darnold but otherwise i'm definitely uh, rooting for chaos and comedy yeah because i mean i I really feel like coming into this podcast uh, i i felt like maybe there's a chance that they get to that that seven wins or so but there there really is so much wrong with this team beyond to where like there's only so much that darnold and company can really overcome to get to that 500 mark yeah. So, in conclusion, J E T S J E T S J E T S J E T S. That'll do it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week. We'll probably knock out. We'll start doing more teams per podcast. We're gonna do the Jets part two next week, and then maybe uh, the other teams in the AFC East. Probably, maybe. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, hopefully it keeps going because this is this is a good start to the, the, the NFL season, I think. There we go. Yes, I, I'm absolutely in love with it. So that'll do it for us. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Roto-Wire NFL podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.